Welcome to Savage Wonder, a podcast about warriors and artists. It's a long-form one-on-one conversation with people who have a foot in the world of the artist and a foot in the world of the warrior. It's produced by the Veterans Repertory Theater, which is a creative hub for talented veterans and world-class performers to create compelling live theater and events. Today, my guest was Nicholas Lukenbill. Nicholas is a 10-year Army veteran. After high school, he joined the Army, did three combat tours in the Middle East, and now is a professional photographer doing artistic photography in an effort to understand his own wounds from war trauma, be able to speak to veterans that are suffering from PTSD, and he has a primary focus on the mental health issues surrounding the veteran community. But he's not in the charity business. He is a very dedicated and pure artist. He won the he was juried at Crossland Gallery's International Eye of the Camera show in El Paso, Texas in 2015. He won first place in digital art at the New Mexico Veterans Art Show. He got the Judges Award at Crossland Gallery's Configuration 5 2019 show. He has uh, won the Prix de Photographie Award at Salon International Art Resilience at St. Franju Art Museum in France. And he has won the People's Choice Award at the International Eye of the Camera show, which was at the International Museum of Art. His work has been shown everywhere from Budapest, Hungary to France, as well as his native El Paso, Texas. He's also been published in the Aesthetic Apostle in the July issue in 2019 and Deck Unu magazine. He was the featured photographer in their May issue also in 2019. This was a real pleasure to talk to Nicholas. He and I, as I think I say in the episode, we met on Instagram. Um, he is a prolific Instagrammer and, uh, we just kind of clicked and, and, and hit it off. And, you know, I was, my only reticence in having him on the show was we hadn't had a visual artist on the show yet. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not a visual artist. I appreciate visual art, but I don't consider myself exceptionally knowledgeable about it. So visual arts weren't my, it, it wasn't my first pick as like, Hey, that we really need to have a, a visual artist on. Um, but we uh, had a couple of late cancellations and things like that. And I was like, you know something, L- let me go with Nicholas, uh, you know, and let's do a visual artist and we'll, we'll just, uh, you know, hopefully I know enough to hold a intelligent conversation. Um, it was funny because he was actually nervous about coming on the show, as I think he says in the episode. And he told me before, when, when I sent him the invite and I said, hey, do you want to come do the show? And he was like, bro, he's like, I'm not sure I'm your huckleberry for this, like, you know, and all that. Um, which is funny. I, in my limited experience with visual artists, uh, I feel like that's common because they, um, you know, they, they, they communicate through visual mediums. They don't necessarily communicate through words. I don't know. That's my hypothesis. But, uh, so he, he was nervous about coming on the show. I was nervous that I wouldn't know enough about visual arts to be able to hold a good conversation with him. Um, but I told him, I lied to him and said, yeah, you're going to be fine. I'm not worried. Cause I, and I wasn't lying to him. I wasn't worried about him, but I was more worried about me. Um, but it was great. He, uh, really thoughtful speaker. And I love that he took his time to make his points and it allowed me to be low key, which was great for me mentally, 
I hope it ends up okay for you guys listening. Um, I'm kind of having a low energy couple of days because I've been going like crazy and um, I don't know, my throat's getting scratchy and I'm kind of running on fumes a little bit. So talking to Nicholas, I was able to go low key and um, just sit back and enjoy the conversation and listen. Um, but I hopefully it didn't, it didn't uh, work against me and make me sound um, sleepy or anything like that. I don't know. Sometimes I'm not a great judge of how my voice is registering over this stuff, but it, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really had a great conversation with them. Um, it's really interesting. You know, I like, I like his work. So I, you know, I was interested to talk to him cause I actually really happen to like his photography. Um, but I, I think as he says, you know, some of his most popular pieces are his abstract work, which doesn't directly reference, um, you know, war or PTSD or anything like that. And what I find particularly interesting is that the secret sauce in a lot of his pictures, as he and I talk about, is his wartime service. And that just leaves that indelible imprint that is just going to follow each of his pieces. And it's the English that it puts on the spin uh, of, of, of whatever work, uh, whatever he's working on, even if it's not directly associated um, with the military. And uh, I, I liked it, and I thought he was very eloquent in in talking about how his military service and the warrior side of his personality has been such a positive impact in his art. And especially listen to what he has to say. I'm not giving you too many more spoilers, but really interesting comments that he had about the way that the warrior and the artist have merged in his life. He's humble. He's confident, incredibly interesting. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer. I'm the artistic director of vet rep. And this is the savage wonder of Nicholas Lucanville. What's up, man? Nice to go. How's it going? Good. It's going good. Yeah, a little, little vape pen. <laughs> I got you. Are you coming on or are you going off? Are you trying to get onto smoking or out of smoking? Out of smoking. Okay, so it's your ramp down. Out. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I and got you. I, yeah, I've been on the vape pen for about six months now, so it's, it's and working. I'm slowly weaning myself off of that too. So okay, God, good for you, man. All right. Yeah. How often do you vape? Um, is it nonstop? Once, uh, yeah, throughout the day. Okay. It's kind of always within arm's reach and ready to go if you need it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got you. How much <laughs> yeah, were you smoking? How much were you smoking Ooh, before? About a pack and a half a day for the Damn. last 10 years. <laughs> so was that, an, was that an army thing? Did you start smoking in the army? I did. I started smoking on my first deployment back in 2002. So, Jesus, um, man. Yeah, it's been a while. Wow, that's a that's a fucking minute. And was that where was that? Was that Afghanistan in two thousand two? No, I. I'm assuming. Uh, no, I deployed in Iraq, all three times. In two thousand two. Well, okay, no, two thousand three. Okay, all right. Two thousand four. So, but yeah, like it was because, like when I joined, it was it was basic AIT. Then I got to my unit and we deployed like six months later. So like, Oh really? Wow. 2002 yeah. and 2003 kind of like merged into I got you. a big, 
long year for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. And was that um, were you there for the actual invasion, or did you get there just after? Just after Third ID. Okay. Like we, um, like once we got there, we were right there, right behind them. And once we rolled into the the airport, they were still, they weren't, they hadn't even packed up yet. Wow. Wow. So it was what pre- was that? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It, it was pretty early on. But yeah. yeah, I missed the invasion, but I was right there, right behind them. <laughs> and what did you end up doing on that deployment? Was that a, one of the 18-monthers? Was that a year? Six oh, that months? Was, How long did you have? That was a 15-month. And uh, Wow. Um, on that deployment, I actually did my job um, as a, uh, well, it was a 31 Romeo, but it was a 25 Quebec as a signal operator. Okay. Setting up a a line of sight shelter to just bounce signal off. And what, was that your job the whole time you were in? Were you always a 25 Quebec? I was always a 25 Quebec, but that was the only time I ever did my job. <laughs> so after that, would you, would they end up doing just convoy ops and all that stuff? Yeah. Convoy ops. I got stuck as like radio guys for cav units and, um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Infantry units. So, yeah. Who were you with? What, what unit were you with on that first invasion, on the first deployment? Uh, I was with a 141 Signal Battalion. Okay. Out of, and that, uh, was atta- that was attached to um, to who? Who was, you, who was your bigger unit? Our, uh, just the 1st Armored Division. For, oh, it's 1st Armored Division. Okay. Yeah. All right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And were you with them the whole time? Were you always there? Or did you end up going to other units? I did end up going to another unit for uh, my third deployment. It was uh, a special troops battalion out of uh, Fort Bragg. Okay. And uh, God, who was I with? I can't even remember. It was the the Spitting Dragon. And I can't oh. and I can't remember the name. Eighteenth, Eighteenth yeah, Airborne. Yeah, Eighteenth yeah, Airborne. Yeah. 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 Sure. That was such wow, a, man. Such an un remarkable deployment <laughs> why well why i didn't need to be there and they it, it was just uh-huh. it was like they deployed a bunch of people just to deploy a bunch of people um they stuck me in a special special troops battalion with no job um we were going to pull convoy security but they had too many people so i got kicked off of that got put in the supply room and then, then I was uh, S two in COIC for a while. Jesus! <laughs> and then I got back in the supply room. I it, it was a crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was super crazy. <laughs> that that seems to me like that seems like a real morale destroying deployment. Like if you're constantly jobless and they're putting you in those different assignments. Was that how you felt or, or was it well, okay? Cause it's kind of like, Hey, the, I have no responsibility here whatsoever. The, the reason why I got kicked off the convoy security was because we were going, we were shuffling people back from camp Liberty to the green zone. Okay. Already. That was kind of stupid, but, uh, I was supposed to, I was going to be the, the bus 
the guy that was in charge of the bus, but I needed to know how to drive the bus. And I hadn't, and it was a manual bus and I hadn't driven manual in years. So they put me in this thing and I'm just double clutching. I'm like, this thing's going to stall. So they fired me and they're like, well, you can't be on the convoy security anymore. And I'm just all like, well, well, then what am I going to do? Oh, here, go, go be in supply. Yeah. Holy so crap, man. That, and how long was that deployment? That was 15 months. Holy Jesus. <laughs> it's like a prison term. Holy crap, man. And so, so yeah. So how did you take it? Were you, I mean, look, you weren't driving the bus. You didn't have to worry about manual. You didn't have to worry about got shot at in convoys. Was it a, did you, go, Hey, that's fine. I'll be semi unemployed and, and cast about for work. Or was it like, man, there really is no point in my being here. And I question my purpose every day. Well, it was, I questioned my purpose every day that I think that, that deployment really did make me go insane because right before the deployment, I was trying to put in my recruiting packet Oh, mm -hmm. because I figured if there's no job for me there, then why can't I go do something else? Sure. But I remember the the letter that, because I needed my battalion commander's signature on that. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he sends this letter back to my commander saying, it would be a great opportunity for me after the deployment. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they just needed a mm-hmm. body there. <laughs> God, man. And so the, after that, you kind of, what, lost hope and you were like, that's it, I'm done with the Army? Well, no. Um, okay. After Fort Bragg, I uh, PCS to Fort Bliss and got into a wonderful unit. I got into a, a cav, I actually got into a cav unit, <laughs> mm-hmm. 113th cav, and I, ha- I was in the S6 there and uh, I had... I had really great leadership there and really, huh? good. But, uh, it, it would, uh, I had bottled up so much. I, you know, I end up going to mental health a couple times and then they, you know, that once you do that, then that whole process starts. Yeah. And that was still the era where, um, going to mental health did start to stigmatize you, right? Yep. And there were things where it just kills your career advancement and all the rest of it. I was done. Oh, fucking hell. Did they I, med board you? Did yes. You get I, I got medically Fuck. retired due to PTSD and major depressive disorder, social anxiety disorder, like all the other, any kind of disorder that they had at those times, they slapped on me. And... Yeah, it took it took about a year to get me out because I was fighting it and I was just like just give me a you know like now I'm asking for a desk job just give me a desk job till I get better. Yeah. And now nah, they're like, "No, nah, we're kicking you out." <laughs> so, let's go to the beginning. Why did you enlist in the military? Was it cuz of 9/11? Uh part partly because of 9/11. Yeah, I was in a I was in high school. I was in gym class at the time that 9-11 happened. And mm-hmm. I remember 
somebody running into the weight room saying, Hey, something's going on. Something's going on. And we all ran to, um, my government teacher's room and he had it on CNN and we watched it live and, you know, it, it, it was pretty, you know, I'd never seen anything like that before. No one has. Sure. And, uh, remember going home and talking with my parents and just being like, well, looks like a whole new career opportunity opened up for me now. Wow. You know, so, but my mom was, you know, graduate, graduate, just graduate high school. Sure. So sure. I couldn't just go and enlist. So I had to wait until I graduated. And that summer I had kind of decided not to join. Okay. And I was like, okay. Cause I wanted to go be a teacher. But then so I, 9-11, sorry, 9-11 happened when you were a senior. So you were kind of thinking about the future anyway Yeah, when it happened, right? Okay. All right. I, I'm with you. Well, my parents had always, they, they were always, you should just join the military because we can't pay for college. Oh, so okay. yeah. So it was always in the back of my mind, but then sure, I decided to just, you know what? I'm just going to make a run at college. And I got the, I got my tuition bill and I just laughed Ugh. and I just, <laughs> I was just like, Ma, why don't you just call that recruiter? <laughs> and this was up in were you in Michigan? I was then? in yeah, I was I, I yeah, I was recruited out of Michigan. Okay. All right. And so who where were you looking for college? Were you looking for local state schools? Is that what oh, scared yeah. you like, off? Yeah, yeah, I I had uh enrolled at uh Lansing Community College. Like I wasn't going to any big university, I was just going small small wow. stakes. Yeah. But I couldn't even and then, afford that at the time. So, so, so I mean, how much of your decision to join was practical, economic, and how much of it was, you know, uh, shoot them up, get them back, you know, rah rah, nine eleven just happened. Well, uh, I want to say a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I wasn't really like I was patriotic, but I wasn't like, hey, I want to just go. You know, like it wasn't about right. revenge. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was more, well, it, uh, let me try to rephrase this. It was more about, well, if I don't go, someone else is going to go and could get, could get hurt. It was more about trying to like, well, if I go, then this other person doesn't have to go. It's an incredibly noble way of thinking about it. it. And to be fair, I was being very glib when I put it as rah rah. Oh yeah, I mean, well, well uh, but but <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's great and noble rationale. Yeah. But though the, the but you were right. There there were those people that it, it was about, well, now I get to go kill people. Let's just right. list. So that th- that was an actual train of thought. Well, and it's also interesting to me because you went in as a 25 Quebec, so it wasn't like you went right to 11 Bravo and were like, "Hey, yep, I'm I'm here to you know kick ass and take names." You you were already it looks like you were already thinking of a very technical skill set that maybe you could leverage down the road, even in a civilian career, right? Oh yeah, I was definitely thinking of life after the military, but um, 11 Bravo did get offered to me. Sure. Uh, you know, of course, it gets offered to everybody. But uh, as I was sitting at that MEP station, when 25 Quebec came up on 
their little computer screen, it came with a very awesome attachment to it. And it, and it was station of choice. Oh, wow. And huh. the stations were uh, European theater and a couple other uh, bases in, in the United States. And the recruiter basically told me I'd be stupid to turn down Europe. Yeah. And yeah. he was right. Cause I got to go, you know, go, you know, I got to go to Germany for almost four years for, for, for nothing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And travel all, and I'm sure you went out on the weekends. Oh, went, went to Switzerland, France, Austria, went did that old everywhere. Yeah. Went everywhere. That's awesome. Always took four days. But, but you know, yeah. when I was there and we weren't in the field or I wasn't deployed, it was, that's all I did was travel. <laughs> so when at that point, um, or was it in Europe that you started to get involved in photography because now you're traveling around? I'm making this up, but I'm just speculating. Is it, was that when it started to trigger for you? Like, Hey, no. you know, I'm seeing these cool places. Oh really? Okay. No, I, I I don't think I took any pictures, really. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay. Um, That's a missed opportunity. All right. Well, wow. yeah. Well, I took pictures, but I wasn't thinking about pictures. Sure. Um, I really did. I I liked art in high school, but I had a really bad teacher. She said I wasn't really any good at it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Always away. Right. Oh yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was pretty funny. Um, but uh. I was taking pictures, but I wasn't really thinking about pictures. And on that first, you know, like, especially like traveling around Europe. And then on that first deployment, I took a, I took a crap ton of pictures Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until it really wasn't until I got out of the army until I started going back to thinking about being creative. So, did art initially and your artistic pursuit really come from a therapeutic place that you were like, Hey, this is the best way I can think to unpack my experiences and what I've been through. Um, I didn't. Yeah. Um, cause I was having a, I was having a real rough time when I got out of the army and sure. Um, someone really close to me was all like, well, Hey, you should try this to do this and it might help. And it, yeah. And then it, it really actually just snowballed from there. And so it's like, well, why don't you try making something out of nothing? <laughs> well, yeah. What was the suggestion? Was it to actually start shooting and become a photographer or was it just, um, you know, Hey, look into some artistic pursuit. It was what, what exactly some, was it, the guidance. It, it, it was really looking into some kind of artistic pursuit okay. because I think I was a, I was apprenticing to be a tattoo. I was a tattoo mm. apprentice at the time. And the guy that was kind of mentoring me was all like, Hey, well you should go to school for this because it'll make you kind of a, an all around good artist or something, you know, it's like, okay. It, you know? And so once I got into, school then even more people were like well maybe you should do this 
So what was that journey like? What did you, what medium did you start in? I mean, obviously you're doing tattoos, but then what did you, what was your first uh, other artistic pursuit that you got into? Was it drawing? Yeah. Or was so, it, so, so yeah, okay. I took some drawing classes. I took some um, painting classes. A lot I had to do with a uh, graphic design. Okay. And then I took a, as a part of the the course credits was a it's like a digital imaging class which is photography and the the professor that was teaching me was all like no this is what you need to do this is what you need to like just to focus on this just on taking pictures just on taking pictures and wow that's that's when that started <sighs> What do you know? What the professor saw in you? What what made them say that? Did they see that you had an interest in it, or did they see a talent that you weren't picking up on yet? And, and yeah, in so many words, he said that I had like I had great potential to do really hmm. good things with this because he just he had seen that because you know outside of what he was teaching us, I was watching YouTube videos to to learn more editing techniques to learn more camera techniques to, to really just try to push my equipment to the level mm. to, to do certain things. So when you were doing graphic design, was it more commercially focused or was it artistically focused? It was way, it, it was way more commercially focused. Sure. Like there was a okay. whole class that we did by making logos and I, I, I hated it. <laughs> yeah yeah i couldn't stand it and but was that was it that professor that then said hey you need to look more into being a a, a photographer and an, an artistic one not simply a commercial photographer um yeah he wow. he's he he basically said like i shouldn't stop um at that class he basically was telling uh, me i should go Go to a four-year university and go learn more. Huh. So so it kind of felt like that was almost technical training when you were there for a commercial business. And he was saying, no, you need to go deeper, deeper, deeper into this yeah. and really just kind of get into the art. Wow. Interesting. And do you know what it was? Do you know what, what works of his, what, 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 how did you feel about the work you were doing at that point? What was making him say that? Was it, did, did you find that like, and this is just, again, me speculating, but was it something where you were being asked to do a very simple two dimensional assignment? Like, Hey, here's a logo or something like that. And you're just going off the reservation in a way that makes a, a, an intuitive professor go. I think there's more to this guy. He's not simply here just to do what a client would want. He's got his own things that he needs to say through his work. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, I, I always approach things with my own agenda as mm. a lot of professors that have had me would say they, they, they'd hand out an assignment and I would be like, well, I think I can do this this way. <laughs> and yeah, there, there was, there, there was always something else that I wanted to do other than what they wanted me to do. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. What, how would you categorize that? What would you say your agenda is and has it changed over the years? Um, no, not really. Um, my agenda was always just to use this to, to kind of like say whatever's in my head without, 
you know, actually saying it mm. and mm. to, to try to get better, to try to like, try to reach some kind of level of normalcy that I haven't seen in a long time. So that's always been kind of my agenda. It, you know, it's a little bit selfish, you know, especially like, I feel like, especially like when you look at some of the, the, the work that I've done and then some people say, Oh, your work really helped me. It really helped me. And I'm like, you know, that's great and all, but like, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, that wasn't for you, buddy. That was for me. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's funny. That's actually, um, I mean, this is uh, this is kind of a strange parallel, but I know when Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David talked about the making of Seinfeld, they and and when it became the number one show in the country, and they said, they said we're, we're just doing this for us, and the fact that you all like it is just a nice second order effect. But this is this is bands for the uh, this is jokes for the band. This is just us doing this for ourselves, and um and I think that is I think there's something there always seems to be something great when people are just doing something for themselves because you're not compromising, you're able to say your vision, put your work out and the people that really get you, get you and get you in a big way. And I think that's, um, I think it's a powerful way of working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I never really even thought about it like that. I just thought I was just being selfish, <laughs> <laughs> but, but listen, I mean, I think, but I mean, well, let's ask, let me ask you about that. Do you think art, an artist needs to be selfish yes because i think i think you do right yeah because if you don't care about it and if you're not 100 percent focused nobody else is it's not you know it's not a team effort it's you it's all it's all on your shoulders yeah because i what do i tell some of my civilian friends this isn't the battlefield i'm gonna leave you behind <laughs> yeah it's true that's true yeah absolutely absolutely you have to be that way it's a mercenary profession so how much of that um how much of that have you learned over time or did you just immediately gravitate to that and say, I, I need to be this way and get out of that team first mindset of the military? I think it was very instinctual mm. actually to just like, just to just take care of myself on this. Yeah. Cause once, cause you know, once that, you know, once I was out of the, out of the service, it was, you know, it's every man for himself. Yeah. So like, I think it was pretty instinctual to just be like, you know what? This is me now. I did yeah. my time. Now it's now, now this is my time. That's, I think, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to speculate. I'm not sure this is a hundred percent true, but it seems to me that somebody whose first major job out of high school was in the army, that it might take them a while to get to that place because the army raises you. And then you have to kind of unlearn some of the army things. And the fact that you were able to flip that switch oh, relatively quickly is impressive. Oh yeah. But see, well, see, I think I, I was able to flip that switch because of the army, because the army taught me how to survive. And the only really way to survive in this, in this kind of, you know, I don't want to say the only way to survive in this community is to be selfish and to only take care of yourself because I do help people, you know, come up with ideas Sure. and other people sure. still help me critique my stuff. So, but, uh, you know, 
Oh man. So like, yeah, like, well, but you got to, you, you don't have to be a bad person. Yeah. yeah it doesn't, you, you you don't don't doesn't make be, you a bad person. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't make you a bad person, but like, yeah, looking out for yourself and yeah, the, I think the army put me in a, in a better position to, to be an artist than just going out of it, out of high school. <laughs> So you had, um, just from what you've talked about with your deployments and your, your, your time in the army on active duty, um, you described a lot of things that I consider to be like the things I am most, I was, and still have, am most terrified of in the army, which is long periods of time at the mercy of the big bureaucracy and being purposeless in that time. That to me is this. To me, I, I if I saw mili- my time in the military as a as a choice between boredom and danger, you always go towards danger. Did you feel the same way? Yes, <laughs> I hated yeah. just sitting around not doing anything. It, Did you? Oh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, it was always like if I had an opportunity to do something, not not even just not even it didn't even have to be dangerous. Just do something. It was always, let's just do something, you know, cause just sitting around, like there was, there was a, my second deployment. We sat in Kuwait for six months, Ugh. just waiting to deploy. And it was like, what are we doing? Let's just do something. <laughs> Ku- Kuwait, for those that haven't been there, Kuwait, I really think is the closest thing I've ever been to. <laughs> Uh, the closest to purgatory, I think I've, I've I've ever been. It is truly purgatory on earth. It just flat, hot, miserable, yet no, and and no relief from it. Not the highs and lows of being in a combat zone. Nope. Just boredom and and fatigue and and, uh, and yeah, a purposeless existence. I, I think it's it's like you could direct a Beckett play there. It's just the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah, I, I six months there. I. I I know people that have done 12 or 18 there and, and actually called it a deployment and God bless them. I, I would have lost my damn mind, but six months even seems like an extreme period of time. I, I, I think the most I ever did was a week in Kuwait and that was enough for me to, you know, contemplate a, lo- a lot of other life choices I could have made. So yeah, yeah I, I can't imagine. Um, okay. So, so now how much looking back at that time and how much time, not to say your your ten years in had didn't give you an awful lot of um, you know direction and purpose and all that, but with those but looking back now and looking at those those times where there was boredom or purposelessness, how much of that motivated you to not fuck around once you got after it in your civilian career and and was there a sense of making up for lost time or a sense of there's no way I'm not going to exploit every opportunity? Did you see that? Did you see a direct parallel between that? Um, not yes and no. Okay. In a way, because you know, really, like the, all that boredom and all that, per, like, like, like not having a job, that really wasn't. It wasn't my fault. You know, right. that was just bureaucracy. You know, that was just. Yeah. So, like, that really wasn't my fault. But uh, once I got out. Yeah, I just, you know, the army trained me to hustle, so I'm just gonna hustle. 
did you feel it empowering to go that your career was now completely in your hands and you were no longer at the mercy of a big bureaucracy that had to decide how it wanted to use you? Um, I didn't really find it empowering. I was scared shitless. Hmm. Which <laughs> to, is a sort of power. To, yeah. to, be, to be honest <laughs> right. with you, like that first week or so when I was out, you know, I kind of just sat around waiting for someone to call me yeah. to figure out where I was and just to tell me something to do. I didn't know. Like it, it was a big adjustment. Like I just like, I've never not been accounted for. I've never, you know, and I'm just sitting there and I'm just all like, well, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> where were you? Where were where, like describe that? Describe when you left. Where, was it Bliss? Was Bliss your last duty station? Yes. So where did where did you go? Where, where did you, where did you go? What was your direct path of travel after that? Where did you end up? Well, I'm still in El Paso, Texas. So I didn't go so far. So you literally just didn't go far. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. So where were you during that first week? Were you in a motel? Where no, were you? I was. I, I we uh, my family we have a house here and we okay. we set right. up we set up set up shop here. Okay. And. uh no, so I was just sitting in my living room on my couch, just like just looking out the window. Like I wish someone would call me to make sure that I'm okay, or to you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, to ask where I've been. You know, like it was a it was a big adjustment. What got you off the couch? Um, my wife. <laughs> just to be blunt, wives will do that. Yeah, she's like, hey, you need to do something. You either need to get a job or go to school or, you know, you just can't sit And what around. did you do? Did you, did you go to school? Was that your next big move? Yeah. My next big move was school. And, uh, yeah, I went to, uh, I graduated from community, the El Paso community college. And then, uh, after that I went to, uh, New Mexico state university. So I spent about six years in school. Yeah, and, and when you got out of school, then how did you find that? Did you find it now? Were you, were you like teeth bared, ready to go, and feeling like you were, you were ready to start? Or was there a sense of, yet again, you don't have a safety net, you're not in a community oh, that's provided for you? Oh, no. Um, I had started while I was in university. Yeah. Um, I like My first year there, I had started. Um, and what really got me motivated and, and going was I had done this, this great project that everybody loved and there was a student show happening. So I tried to submit to that student show and I got denied, but it wasn't the merits of the artwork. It was, I didn't know how to submit to a show. Mm. So mm. I was all like, well, that's, you know, that's fair. I didn't know what I was doing. I submitted wrong. So that summer I had looked for other opportunities to show this work. And, um, I got into a show in El Paso and I, I won the whole thing. I got best of show all, you know, all the accolades and, and all yeah. that. So that was, so basically, you know, I'm just chasing that high. That's freaking awesome. Was that your first time? That was your first time getting accolades that right? was, and public accolades. That was, yeah, that was my first 
time ever showing work in a gallery. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Your very first show. My very first show. <laughs> Boy, so you so you get a hole in one. You hit it out, right? You hit it out of the park on your first time out. And then, but you've actually had a really, um, a really well-received career. I mean, you've done shows now, what, Budapest? You've shown in France. You've shown I've, yeah, you know, I've internationally, shown, right? I've shown internationally and all over the United States, yeah. What was at this point now looking back, is that first show still the peak? Is that still the apex where you're like, that was the best feeling and I'm always gonna try to recapture that? Oh or yeah. Has something else supplanted it? Oh has yeah. Has there been another one that you were like, Oh no, this that was that was a great place to that was the a great first hill to climb, but now but then when I got this, that was even better. Has there been anything else like that? Um No, because that that one was always gonna be pretty like sentimental to me mm. because it was my first one. It was my first show, my first award. So that one's always going to be sentimental to me. And not only just, you know, the award and the show, but that was by far to me was my most powerful project that I've ever done. Which one was it? That was Which project the, was it? That was the the daily struggle, the narrative series that I did. Is that the one where you're in uniform, holding a gun at your head, yeah. on, as a civilian on the bed? Yes. Yeah, that one's that one's a rough one. That was yeah. It was really, it was really rough to do, and yeah. it was it is that project saved my life. <laughs> getting all that, oh. well, getting all that getting all that out. Yeah. It was just a total release. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much, it, it wasn't like staged to me. Mm. It was like, this is, this is what actually happens to me in the mornings, in the afternoons. And just being able to show that was like a weight off my shoulder. What did you shoot that with? Was oh. that just was that just with your phone, or was that? Oh, did you have a Nikon? What were you using for that? At the time, I used a I used a Nikon D seventy one D seventy one hundred. It was a, a it was a mid mid level camera at the time. I and the reason I asked that I, I'm not a, a photographer. Uh, you know, like I, all my pictures are on my phone, and I'm I'm not a great photographer by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and certainly not when it comes to the technical details. But I asked that because what struck me about that series was that you didn't you didn't put any English on the spin. You took just very straightforward pictures um, with it looks like. And you correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like just natural light. Um, you certainly didn't try to do them in black and white or make them artsy. It was just very raw almost candid pictures that obviously you were using some photographic magic because you're, you know, you're taking images of two images of yourself and, and putting them together. But, but there wasn't um, a lot of flourishes. It was just very raw and, um, and straightforward picture taking in that. Um, 
I'm, I'm trying to think if I even have a question. That's how it struck me. Do I kind of have that right? Is that is that assessment right? Yeah. The, obviously, they went through a lot of uh, editing. Sure. Um, critiques and, you know, like there was there was somebody over me, you know, giving me advice. But ultimately, yes. Like I, I didn't want to do these, you know, too – yeah, too artsy because I wanted, I wanted it just to be me, you know. Like so, they had to be candid. They had to just be, be raw. And yeah, ult- yeah. Ultimately, it was my decision on how to show them and and to do what to do what with them. I'm I'm interested what the edits were. What critiques did you get before you finally showed them that paid off? What what were the mistakes that you made uh, when you were first shooting them and, and things you went back and had to fix? Well, some of them were just like a lot of uh, technical issues. Like I, okay. had, you know, um, there was too much grain or too much, um, like you could see the seam where I would cut the other image in and didn't blend it very well. Mm. uh, Yeah, there was more technical critiques than anything. And like, maybe, maybe try this angle or try that angle, Mm. you know, when it came to the angles, was it just simply for, for clarity? So the narrative kind of popped a bit more or was it? Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. And then to this day, is that, would you consider that your favorite piece that you've done still, or is it maybe your just your most meaningful personally? It's my it well both. It's my it's my most meaningful. It's my favorite. I I love that series. I'll never forget that series. Talk about what what changed for you after you showed it, and when you got accolades for it. What did that do for you mentally? What did that do? What what catharsis did you get out of that? Well, I wouldn't, yeah, I felt relieved that people actually um, responded to it in the way that they did. Um, but what really, what, what had happened after that series was a motivation to, to keep doing that is just to keep working and just to hustle, 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 just work and to get the work out there. Like, yeah, it was just like, I can keep doing this. It it was more validation than anything. It was more like, like, Hey, we like this, you know? So it was like, okay, so I'm, I'm halfway decent at this. So let's, let's go. At that point, were you, um, I mean, you were just, you were still in school, right? So you weren't yep. making money as a photographer yet, right? No, I hadn't made a dime. <laughs> Did you make money off that show? Did anyone buy any of the work? Uh, no one bought the work, but I, it, like, I won a small cash prize. Okay. So, so now finally you were making money. Well, um, I think I might have broke even. Because it costs money okay. to print and frame, sure for shows. So like, um, 
I think I might have broke even on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but I mean, that is, that's validation though. I mean, that alone, just coming back to neutral is a win artistically. I mean, these are not, you know, it's a, it's a even rough if, business to be in. Even if I would have lost money, it was still a win. My whole, sure. basically my whole art career has been, um, an expense. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's a welcome expense. <laughs> Talk about that. Are you professional? Or do you do you are you now professional where this is seven days a week and you are able to survive on it, or do you need to still take other work? Um, no, <laughs> I, I would need to take other work if I wasn't on um, disability or any of that. I would have to. I would most definitely have to be working somewhere else. Or doing, but because or doing, but, but you something haven't else. been able to, right? But you you haven't because of disability, though. You you've been able to make I, the, to make this your sole focus. Right? I have been, yeah, I have been very fortunate in that to where, yes, because of the early retirement and and all that, this has been my sole focus. But yeah, like if, um, I think that if I were to start opening up. And like doing more weddings and doing graduation photos sure. and charging for that sure. kind of stuff. I'm, you know, I'm 80% confident that I could survive off of this, mm-hmm. but, um, I don't like doing any of that. Yeah. I just like to, I just like to just do what I do. So I, I haven't even really tried to even venture into that, that world. And why would you? I mean, there, I agree with you. That makes no sense. If you're able to do what you're doing and and keep going with it, why go start taking high school graduation pictures, you know, and something that's not going to be meaningful to you? Yeah. And I, I know plenty of photographers that do do that work and they're, they're fantastic at it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not good at I don't want to say that I'm not good at it, but my heart's not in that kind of work. So like, I don't yeah. think that it would be, it wouldn't be very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think there's also probably, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I, I don't, I think it's worth saying there's something to be said for, look, you, you didn't, you know, you didn't just suddenly, um, I don't know, get an inheritance or something. This is stuff you earned. You, you, your disabilities didn't come by choice. They came from service. And this is a, something I think people can learn from if they're feeling, um, you know, if they're a little beat down, if they've got a high disability rating, uh, if they, maybe you can make that work for you and be able to pursue something artistically uh, because you have the bandwidth to maybe do that. I don't think that's a bad message for people to take away from it no yeah 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 if you're especially if you're struggling to find something to do yeah you know yeah if you're 100 percent disabled unemployable per per government and you're struggling yeah do something creative it doesn't have to be photography it can be writing it can be painting do do something yeah 100 percent you know, because like my whole thing is, um, I don't want to waste the opportunity. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. 
you know, I not yeah, I have my good days and my bad days. You know, there's days where I just sit on my ass and just like, you know, feel sorry for myself sometimes. But there's always that next day to where it's like, yeah. get up and take some damn pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, sh- I should say, I mean, for those that uh, I mean, I'll probably mention this in our intro, but, um, you know, I mean, we met, uh, as it were, uh, through the Internet and through Instagram. And I mean, you are religious about posting every day, every day that you're not in Instagram jail, you're religious on posting yeah. <laughs> um, on there. And and that's and, and that is a, a discipline. And that is something that um, probably does help get you off the couch and, and keep you you know, uh, focused on the, on the present and not, um, and, and shake you out of any funks. Right? Yeah, it does. Cause there was, um, a couple years ago I was really, um, I was struggling. Well, I wasn't struggling, but I was hustling and hustling. You know, I'm trying to find that elusive solo show. Mm. I'm trying to find a gallery that'll take notice in me. And, um, a friend in the industry that I really respect took a look at my Instagram as all like, well, you're never going to get a solo show because there's never going to be a gallery that's going to want to take a risk at you. You don't have a following. No one knows you. So he's, wow. so he wow. suggested that I build up a following. Well, still search for those, those, those opportunities, but you know, build up sure. a following and, uh, then, you know, you'll find it easier to be able to get into more opportunities. And he's not wrong because here I am talking to you. Sure. And, we, you know, we met over in Instagram. So he wasn't wrong. And so, yeah, so I just made that my primary focus for right now is to put content out every day. It's such a, it's such a weird thing. Just as a sidebar, I think it's just a funny phenomenon that, you know, I think when you were growing up, certainly when I was growing up, you know, I mean, there were gatekeepers that let you into artistic professions and it was a pain in the ass to get through the gate sometimes, but all you were required to do is just be an artist. And now there's no barrier to entry anymore. But with that comes the obligation to be your own ad agency yeah. and that you have to do your own marketing. And it's funny because it, it, it just it's such a, a new dynamic. And I, and I you can even look at the scope of history. I mean, Michelangelo didn't have to worry about, you know, how many followers he had in order for people to take him seriously. No, he did not. Um, <laughs> right. It's just it's just funny. Now, he had to worry about kissing the right ass. Um, and, and there, and that, that also, that, I mean, that was the, the trade-off. That's the way it used to be that you had to suckle at the right teat to be able to get, you know, into whatever door you're trying to get into. Um, but it is, it is a funny trade-off to see in the way that that actually comes about. You know, I want to ask you though, and go back for one second to that first show, cause you used a word that I wanted to follow up on. You said that when you were, did that showing, you said you felt relieved. Talk a little bit about that. Was it relief that you had been validated as an artist? Was it relief that you had what was inside you actualized into your art and people could see it and understand and, and relate to it? What, what was the relief based on? It was, it, it was both really. It was, okay. you know, the, that weight that got off my shoulder 
from actually doing that piece. And then, yeah, the, that it was accepted into the art community as a legitimate piece of art. So it was like, mm. it, yeah, it was, a, it was a big relief because that's the, that's the most stressful thing as being an artist is putting your work out there for the public to see, to get judged and scrutinized, to get picked, picked apart. It's, yeah. it's a huge, it's, it's really stressful to do that. And like, I know, I know artists that don't show work at all. They don't, you know, they, 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 they just don't do it. They'll just make stuff. What do, they, what do they do? Oh, they just make stuff and what show it privately to people? Is that how they operate? Either either they'll show it privately or it'll just sit and collect dust on their hard drive or in their closet. Wow. wow. And that was another thing that, you know, like the military taught me was just, you know, sometimes you just gotta take that leap. And And it taught you it taught you to have thick skin too, a little, I'm sure, right? Oh yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Talk a little bit of, sorry, keep going. Well, yeah, because, yeah, well, in, you know, you know, in the military, we constantly getting screamed at for everything. So, and getting made fun of. And so, okay. yeah, like having my artwork critique was just like, like, it's not personal. This is just business, you know? Yeah. So. How have civilians received your work, especially that that series, that first series, versus uh, veterans? What's what's the how how what's the feedback been like, and what's has there been a difference in the feedback? Um, veterans, you know, they, they obviously, you know, they're like, okay, some some veterans are like, okay, well, now I can talk about this because now someone else, I know that someone else feels the same way. Yeah, you know, so it's it's more okay, now I can talk about it. It's more like of a, an opening the gate for them kind of situation. But, and then with the, the civilians it's kind of an eye opening situation because they're, you know, yeah, you hear about it on TV, but when you see someone going through it, it's different. Have you gotten negative feedback about that first series? Has anybody said to you, yeah, I didn't respond to it or, um, oh, it, it scared me or, you know, anything like that. Um, yeah, the, yeah, there was, def- there, there was, there was some pushback to it. Yes. Because of the use of the firearm, because of the use of the, because it's so graphic. Was it from civilian, was civilian or veteran critique? Uh, Just out of curiosity. It, it was, uh, it was civilian. Mm-hmm. They, okay. the, the critique that I got for, that that one critique that I got, it was just too graphic and that I shouldn't do it because it might um, encourage. Mm. And I'm like, well, no, it's not meant to encourage. It's meant to prevent. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But this is it, – it, well, it's the reality of the situation. Right. So. Right. And it's you sharing yourself and your own thoughts and you have a right to that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you can't second guess what's in somebody's heart. They're just showing you what it is. Um, but that actually makes me wonder, do you consider your art to be political? And I don't mean partisan necessarily, but just political. That Do you think there's a part of you that 
I, I, I'm not trying to say he's pushing an agenda or is sitting there going, this is will lower the tax rates throughout the country. I'm, I just mean, you know, is there a message that you find yourself coming back to, a theme that you keep coming back to um, that is, uh, you know, whether it's, goddamn, you people need to see what the effects of my service has been or, or anything like that. Is there any political aspect to your work, do you think? When I was making it, no. But now that um, veteran suicide is more politicized and more into the the mainstream now, um, yeah, you could use it as a political message. Um, that wasn't my intention, but if it helps stop veteran suicide, then yeah, let's use that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and in a lot of ways, that's actually um, that has a lot of integrity to it because I think sometimes the uh, twenty-two a day campaigns and, and things like that that try to reduce veteran suicide on an artistic level, on a purely artistic level, a lot of those are are two dimensional. I mean, and and that doesn't mean they're not worthwhile and shouldn't be shared, but it's it's not necessarily great art that's being put out. But that is a, a purpose of art is to move people and to inspire people in one way or another. And, um, and that can't always come with the end result in mind. It sometimes has to come internally, I think, and just be put out there and then people will take away what they need to take away from it. Yeah. Cause I think when I, I think actually when that was being made, the, the 22 a day campaign had just gotten started too. Mm. It was real fresh. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to think, did I have any political motivation when I was making it? I don't think I did. I think it was, it was just me being selfish and being like, Mm -hmm. no, you're going to pay attention to my story. Yeah. 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 It is. It's, I mean, look, I, I think that was one of the first pieces of yours that I saw. And, um, I think I took like 20 minutes, um, and just examined that one of you on the bed with you standing behind in uniform. And, um, it's a hell of a piece. I mean, you definitely feel like you ripped the veins out of your arms and are showing them to us. You know, it's an incredibly personal, um, picture and, uh, it's interesting to hear the reactions to it. It doesn't surprise me. And I wanted to ask you, cause I know you did soldier arts workshops at Fort Bliss after you got out. Yes. Did you show your pieces? Was your series, did it ever come up in conversations with soldiers that you were working with or mentoring? Well, it's because of that series that I did get that okay. job. Okay, um, that's what I wondered. Somebody from El Paso Art Association knew somebody from the Soldier Art Workshops. So, you know, emails got exchanged and then I um, I was teaching a class. Mm. But... uh. I wasn't a good fit. I taught, I taught maybe, I think I taught like three, three classes, but I just wasn't a good fit. Um, because th- there was a lot of, I had told them I want to teach, you know, wounded veterans. Like okay. that's, that's who my audience is. That's who I want to teach. And mm-hmm. the first couple classes, it was a lot of, it was a lot of bored, bored wives that just wanted to take pictures of their food. And I just, I couldn't get past that. 
and it it started to, like it really got to be like well I don't even want to be here on their part or on yours or uh, both well on my part because like okay no offense but I don't care if some soccer mom wants to take a better picture of her her you know her sandwich mm. like I, I like I taken that position with you know the specification to teach wounded veterans about this this art medium that has helped me that might be able to help them you know i didn't i didn't take that position to just teach basic photography to anybody so yeah around my second like it was like my second class it was just like i'm just gonna phone this in and i just won't sign up for another one what kind of feedback did you get as an instructor? Where did did they could they tell you were phoning it in? Um, I think or on did... that second class, yeah. But on that first class, I was like, okay, you know, I really I tried, but I'm just not a good to me. I'm just not a good instructor anyway. Really? Yeah, Do you I feel just, that way. Yeah, I'm just I I have trouble explaining things that you know that are easy for me because it's just it, it's just so second nature to me. Yeah. I just have yeah. trouble just being like, well, just do that. Just do it. Right. Right. And a, yeah. a lot of the time that I was taught in classes were just like, here, go figure this out for yourself. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I, I was just, I'm just not a good instructor. That's bottom line. You're, you're a doer. Yeah. You're a doer, <laughs> not a teacher. Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. I'm, I'm interested with that. And, and I want to just for a second dwell on that because that's a, it's a bit taboo to talk about that you were kind of disillusioned or, or not maybe disillusioned because maybe you weren't illusioned in the first place, but the fact that you just weren't turned on teaching spouses um, because and I know, you know, for for us and a vet rep and all that, we include spouses as part of our veteran community as people that are eligible and have that have that eligibility, um, the same as veterans do to write for us and what have you. Um, so I want to explore that a little bit because I think that's an interesting point of view, um, for people just to hear and and understand and to talk about let's call it a prejudice, um, if if that works, of why um, it's disappointing. Uh, for or why it was disappointing for you to be teaching them was it because you felt like there was a bit of bait and switch that you had been promised wounded soldiers and you showed up and it's spouses or was there something else was it a sense of just yeah your spouses yeah you're supporting your your spouse oh yeah who's don't a, yeah, don't, the military, get, yeah but, don't don't get me wrong the spouses do a lot of work and I don't dislike spouses that. So yeah, let's yeah. Before we get some comments, sure. Like <laughs> I, I fully support military spouses. Right. My wife is a right, military right, spouse. Right. She did a lot of work. She puts up with a lot of shit. Um. So I fully support military spouses, but just in that case, yes, I wanted to teach people that had been through what I had been through, yeah, and in hopes to get them to a better place quicker, you know, cause it, everything takes time. And sometimes if you give it that little nudge, it'll, mm-hmm. you can reach some kind of normalcy quicker. Yeah. So it, it was just, it was really just disappointing. Yep. 
to me. It's and it's a bait and switch a little bit. You you thought you were going into one thing and you and you were going into something very different. Yeah. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and it was just it was just a lot of yeah, it was just really disappointing. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like, but the way that they explained it to me was, you know, they have to they want to fill those slots, and if no one signs up for them, then they're just going to fill them. So they had to fill them with somebody and it's like, okay, well, I understand that, but that's not why I'm here. Right. Right. And it just stops being worth your time. That's yeah. fair. I mean, as you said, I mean, it, look, it's a selfish business. If you're not getting what you need out of it, you're going to look elsewhere. Exactly. That's right. And yeah. And at the time I was looking to help more veterans. Mm-hmm. So, and if I wasn't helping them, then, Sorry, I'm going to go find somewhere else where I can do that. <laughs> Have you ever found that place? Have you ever found another forum to do that? Uh, not locally. Um, there is, there's a, I think it's called the Warrior Project up in Colorado. Hmm. But, you know, I got three kids. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I can't just go up to Colorado. Yeah. Not yet. Right, right. How do you describe your work? For I mean, obviously, we're talking about a visual. You were talking about your work, and it's all visual. So, for those that haven't seen it yet, um, you know, we'll post some stuff uh, with Nicholas's permission, of course, um, just to kind of give people a bit of a taste. And we'll certainly be steering people to your Instagram, to your website. But how would you describe it for people that haven't seen it yet? Oh, jeez. My work is kind of all over the place, if if you really think about it. Um, I do a lot of narrative storytelling. I do a lot of abstract work. Um, that has to. A lot of the abstract work kind of tails into the narrative storytelling, but uh, my work basically, if you just boil it down to its simplest form is me just trying to escape my own head. And are you the, trying to escape your own head or are you trying to pull stuff out of your head and put it onto, onto yeah, kind of, a, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Just trying to pull whatever's in there out uh-huh. and put it on a piece of paper. And yeah. And I try to either do that with a, you know, abstract imagery or narrative storytelling or just a lot of candid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of candid stuff. So it's interesting um, going through your work, um, which I, I mean, full disclosure, I suppose even if I didn't like your work, I, I, I probably would have talked to you anyway, but I, I really like your work. I, I think, um, but it does seem to me as I went, as I go through your portfolios and look at how your, your images or what you've chosen to, to use as subject matter, how it's developed over time. It's interesting because um, what I took away from it, and tell me if, if this is at all true to what you, where you were at, but what I took away was there was a sense of, um, I mean, certainly in your initial piece, you, you see, feel the pain, you feel the, the, um, the horror of what's in your head and what you're working your way through. But even with um, in your follow-on series, what I kept taking away was a sense of... Um, loneliness, a little bit of barrenness, 
Um, and I'm thinking of like some of your, your cityscapes that you took. Um, I find those beautiful. I love stuff like that. Um, so maybe I'm playing amateur psychiatrist on myself when I, when I read into that, but for me, like looking at that, um, yeah, there was, um, sort of a dystopian, um, sparse beauty to it. Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, but then I loved your abstract pieces and I loved when you, um, when things get blurry and you kind of delight in a little bit of the chaos, what was interesting to me though, was that last, um, not last, but I think a more recent series that you did on quarantine where you use your kids. That was by far, <laughs> uh, that seemed like a true departure. That was, well, that was a 180. It seemed to me from stuff you'd done before. Yes. Is that fair? Or did you feel like you'd been building up to that? Um, no, that was kind of a 180. Um, yeah. You know, COVID had just hit. So, you know, everybody was in lockdown and I just wanted to do something fun. Mm, yeah you know like it's good to get all of this out and you know like yeah this is how i'm feeling this is how i'm feeling and uh, but i didn't want to be known as like the depressed artist (laughs) (laughs) you know right right like i'm i'm a funny guy you know like (laughs) i got a sense of humor so i just wanted to do something fun and i figured that this is the perfect opportunity to pull my kids into my world and just to do something completely dumb. <laughs> well, it was funny cause there was a sense of I, the word that came to my mind when I saw those pictures was whimsy, um, which was not something I would have associated with you up until then, but it was just these, yeah, the poses you were putting them in the constructs that you were kind of building and, and, and the set pieces you were developing, um, in certain of those pictures, it was whimsical. It was, it was fun. Um, and yeah, such a departure. How did your kids respond to it? Were they jazzed to be in it or were they like, Oh, we're doing this again, dad. Is this really a good use of our quarantine day? Okay. What was, at, the, what was their reaction? At first it was fun and they were a part of uh, the whole decision-making process. They were a part of the, everything that we did, we all did together. And, yeah, it wasn't just me standing there like telling them to build the set and telling them to do everything. No, we all did it was a family thing. We all did this together. It was fun. But then it was like, okay, now it's you know, they they just they got they got sick of it real quick. <laughs> really? And did you have to cra- did you have to crack the whip? I mean, where did that line well, come where you're like, "Hey, I'm the artist. I need I need this to look a certain way and it's not all fun and games here." Well, to tell you the truth, I kind of like there's a lot of that stuff that like I would have changed, but Oh yeah. Like they're not perfect images in, in my eyes, but my kids helped me make them. So I kept them the way that they are because I didn't want to take their influence out of the, the images either. Like I just, I wanted to keep like, yeah, it's a little bit of me and it's a little bit of my kids. So I wanted to keep them in the image as much as possible. So yeah, that no, those are not perfect in in any way. And I would have reshot more than half of those until they're perfect. What would you have changed? What stuff? Oh, there's a like, there's uh, a lot of lighting issues. There's a lot of like, mm. there's a lot of uh, um, way that I I use space a lot differently. Um, I would have 
pulled the camera, you know, a lot of technical stuff. I would have pulled out a little bit to get more of the, the stuff in there. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of technical stuff that I would have done to, to show more. But uh, this, you know, a lot of this was their ideas. And so I didn't want to like, no, your ideas suck. We're going to do it the way <laughs> I want to do it. <laughs> right, right. There's a limit to your selfishness and it's your kids. Yeah. Right, when your kids are part of it. Yeah, that's fair. What would you, sh- have you shown this? Have you ever showed that series publicly? Publicly, um, I think a couple of them went on an online gallery somewhere. Okay. Um, but no, I have not shown those publicly. Those were just those were kind of just for us. Yeah. Once again, you and know that's like, what I wondered. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. was just something that we did. You know, I yeah, I posted them on Instagram. People got to laugh about them. And yeah, those were just for us, really. Just to kill the time. No, uh, totally. No, it makes total sense. So overall, I mean, where do you find your inspiration coming from on a daily basis? And has that changed since you first started showing? Well, you know, my inspiration is just, you know, whatever's in, you know, locked away in my head and, Mm -hmm. you know, I can go to, I, I can go to sleep at night and wake up and have a couple ideas because of the, you know, just some of the, some of the stuff from the past just never leaves you. So I, you know, I wake up and sure. it's just like, well, I could do this and show this this way. Um, but inspiration, like, is my kids really is just to hmm. show them like this is what I do, this is what I enjoy doing, and to try to, you know hopefully inspire them to do something that they love to do. While we're talking about your kids, let's just, if you don't mind, let's stay with that for one second. Um, How do your kids see you? Do they see you as the warrior, as the artist, as a combination of both, as neither? (laughs) What do they, what do they, how do they see you? I think my kids see me as a big pain in the ass to tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that goes without saying that's just being a dad. You're always going to be a pain in the ass, right? Um, I think it's a bit of both, you know, that there's a level of fear that they have (laughs) and, you know, then they, you know, there's, there's a level of, Hey, I need to do something creative. Let's go talk to dad. (laughs) Mm. Huh? But it's, it's weird for them though, because I think, I think the conundrum that kids raised by, parents in your situation with your particular background that they end up with is it, it, they, they may have been too young or not fully appreciated your military career while you were in, but your artistic career has been directly impacted by your military career. So they're kind of getting a, a kind of secondhand military experience um, after the fact which is which has got to be kind of strange because it it because you're bridging two very different worlds for so for them growing up, um, is there any sense of like hey I don't know if I want to I'd like to follow in Dad's footsteps but I'm not entirely sure which footsteps of his I need to follow in is there any sense of that? Well yeah ex- yeah and that's the hard thing because my daughter she's she's 15 and she's she really lo- she really loves art and so but there's you know, a conundrum to that. I'm like, well, do you want to starve? 
Right. You know, because like I know this industry and I know how rough this industry can be. So, you know, I can help her, you know, I can guide her in her way through this industry. But then I always say, but hey, you need a backup plan. Because the only reason why I'm here is because of the backup plan. Can you recommend the military as a good uh, as as a good training ground artistically? Would you recommend it, or or do you think ah that's I, just an individual thing? I most definitely would. Yes. Huh. Um, especially for like not just my kids, but like other kids that just don't know what they want to do. You know. Yeah, go join go join the military. I don't care what branch. Just go d- do something. Have a have a life experience. And then when you get out, then go to school and go learn mm. whatever it is you want to learn. You know, yeah. yeah, like yeah, I I constantly tell people that they should just join the military. Like, oh, you don't know what you want to do, but you yeah. want to get paid for not knowing what you want to do? Right. Right. Go join the army. You can you can get paid all day long not knowing what to do. <laughs> and you might find out really quickly also what you don't want to do. Oh yeah. And go, "Hey, I I'm never doing that again. Let me make sure I make different life decisions." Yeah, it gives that direction. And I and I only say that because it's like I know too many people. I know countless people that have gone to a four-year university that have gotten degrees that have jobs that have absolutely nothing to do with those degrees and they're not doing anything to, you know, in the aspect of what they wanted to do. And it's just all like, well, yeah. well, why? And yeah. the whole, the whole answer is, well, because I thought that I should have gone to college. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. I think I, I, I've referenced this, I think before on the show. Um, and I think I'm getting it right. <laughs> At some point, I should really chase down this quote and make sure I've got it right. But I think it was, I, I want to say Wolfgang Peterson or some some director in Hollywood um, was asked, he was talking to a bunch of film school students, and they said, um, you know, uh, what was your film school experience or should we be going to film school or a different program or something like that? And he said, you don't need film school. He's like, go work as a prison guard. Go do something in the life or death business. You'll have all the experience you need to now to go and tell stories and tell stories well and with nuance the rest of your life. And I think um, you can extrapolate that out to certainly the military that spending time in a life and death business, I think can't help, but inform your art thereafter, because it's just going to make that indelible imprint that you're going to unpack in various ways, the rest of your life to one degree or another. Oh yeah. That's my sense. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, I can cause I, I try to think about that. As well, it's like, okay, so what if I hadn't joined the military? What if I hadn't spent 10 years in the military? What if I just went from high school to art school like I wanted to? Mm. What what would I make? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just yeah. like, what would I do? Oh, I don't know. Like, what would my artwork look like if I had done that? And I'm like, well, I don't think it would look like much. And it's interesting because that because I mean, lest anybody listening gets the wrong idea, most of your pieces are not about war, are not about 
you know, uh, anything that people would immediately go, oh, somebody's been dealing with PTSD. Like nobody would necessarily think that, but it's even in, you know, uh, let's call them neutral pieces or pieces that are, are not directly on that on that message. Your experience can't help but impact that, right? Oh yeah, um, and a lot of my pieces, there's a subtle, yeah, like obviously my earlier pieces are straight in your face. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of my abstract stuff, you look at it and th- it's it's there, but it's subtle. Yeah, like yeah. you really got to stare at some of like my my first abstract work was the Iraq revisited stuff, where I used old deployment photos and I abstracted them. Yeah, it's it's super and subtle. I- I, and, and I love that you said, hey, this is, um, if I remember right, I can't remember if you said this is war or this is combat, but you said this is what it is. It's, and it was that blurry um, image. I don't know the right technical language to use to describe what you did in the picture. But uh, but do you know which one I'm talking about when you uh, said that? No. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to go back and look. I, yeah. I, I found it. And then I and I I remembered it, but I didn't go back and actually flag it so I could go back to it easily. But anyway, but I just remember I, I remember thinking, um, oh, that's spot on. That's awesome. And the fact that you could put a visual to that in a way that people could appreciate, um, especially civilians could appreciate. I think it was was very cool. Um, but as I say, even in the ones, even in your uh, your urban landscape ones. Uh, yeah, there's a quality, there's a depth there that I think you're right. I think that's hard to, it's dishonest to achieve if you, if there's not already that, um, that quality in you that you're trying to bring out. Um, I want to ask you about role models. Who did you model yourself after? Was there anybody where, and I, and it might be more technical than inspirational, but was there ever a point where you're, is there a creative touchstone that you go to where, God, I'm not feeling it today. I can't get in the zone, but if I go look at um, pictures by so-and-so, or if I, even if I listen to a song or if I look at deployment photos, what is it, What what's your creative touchstone or role model that gets Ooh. you in the right headspace? Well, um, I modeled a lot of my work over after uh, Gregory Crutzen. Um, okay, he, he's I'm a, very ignorant on photographers, so I'm okay. going to ask you a lot of questions about him. Uh, yeah, he's a Yale professor. He does a lot of narrative. He does a lot of storytelling, but he just does his on a way bigger budget than I could ever <laughs> even imagine. Um, Jeff Wall is another photographer. He does a lot of storytelling with photographs. That's just um, I see, I can't even describe their work. It's just, yeah, I, I always have a does rough it, time describing it. What does it do for you? Maybe describe that. Does it put you just in the right headspace, or is there something where you, technically you're like, Oh, look what he did with the lighting or the composition or yeah, what, it, it, it's, what, is, what do you take away? It's more technical stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like obviously I, I love their, you know, I love their pieces and I love the, the, the emotion that they, that they try to, to pull out of those pieces. But like, to me, um, I look at their pieces as kind of like a framework as like a a technical how to, and it's like, okay, well, they, they, 
you know, they use this kind of light to, to bring out that kind of shadow. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what if I use it to, well, you know, what if I put it into another position to, to change that kind of effect? And I'm always looking at other artists work to one, figure out how they did it. And one to figure out how I could do it to make it mine. So you're inquisitive. You go out and you actively search for in, inspiration for role models for to take. You're constantly in the loop trying to figure out what other people are doing and and pay attention to it. Uh, yeah, I'm either. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what people are doing to, and how to steal it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to yeah. basically, you know, when it boils down to it, it's like, oh well, this guy's doing this, and he's doing it this way. But what if I do it this way? And you know, change the whole format of the uh, of the piece, and and to just to do it do it the way that I want to do it, and yeah. So, and, but there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of some of that work gets no. published, and some of it doesn't. <laughs> but it keeps, <laughs> but right. it, it keeps me engaged, and it keeps me, you know, constantly pushing forward. You know, I I should have asked this a, a, a long time ago, a, a much you know much sooner than this. But what? Why photography? Why didn't you gravitate towards drawing? Why didn't you gravitate towards um, computer art or something? What? What? Why photography? What drew you to it? To tell you the truth, I really can't answer that. Well, one, I can't draw. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, that's a good reason but yeah tried it can't do it there there are plenty of people that are way better at that than me um but i don't know why photography just clicked you know i i've tried other mediums i've tried you know sculpting i've tried painting i've tried you know multimedia i've tried graphic design i don't know why i don't like doing those versus photography that's a question i still haven't answered myself so i i'm sorry i don't have an answer this is it's just it clicked for me i don't know are you at the top of your craft right now and i know i know you never no one ever is at the top of their craft i know it's always a journey and whatever but do you feel you're at least in that meaty part of the bell curve of your creative talents right now where you're like yeah i'm 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 doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing? Or do you still feel like you're, you're very early in climbing up the mountain? I still think I'm really early. Yeah. Like, I I don't think I've reached my peak yet because yeah, I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly researching. I'm constantly looking at other things, you know, like other artists to do. And yeah, I don't even like, yeah, I've done a lot of work and I've shown a lot of work, but like, I don't think, I don't think I've hit my opus yet. I think that's still still far off. How much better are you now than you were when you had your first showing? Do you think you're you know exponentially better or you're like no, I'm I'm I've kind of deviated a little bit and I've meandered a little bit and I'm I'm a little bit better but I'm not I haven't made the huge strides yet. On a technical aspect I'm um I've made huge strides on an artistic level. I've meandered a bit. <laughs> I've, I, Which is fair because you're yeah. trying to find different subjects to talk about, right? Oh yeah. Um, and I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm constantly finding 
I'm trying to find other things to do. And But uh, to be fair, I wanted to give that kind of project a rest for a while and not really. What do you mean by that? Which kind of project? Sorry. Well, the, the, just uh, I didn't want to always have to be talking about suicide. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Because it takes a lot out of you. Even yeah. like, even though that it is kind of a, like a, a release from like your own feelings, it's still, it, it's a really heavy subject to always be thinking about. Yeah. So I really, I just, I wanted to put that to rest for a while because one, I, I just, I can't be thinking about suicide 24 seven. It's just, I can't right. do it. Right. So how do I express those suicide thoughts in other ways, you know, and try to, you know, try to always have that in the back of my mind, but like doing other things. Tell me about that. Why do you always need, why do you always need to have suicide thoughts in the back of your mind? Are you saying just because it's always kind of in your mind or oh, yeah. are you trying to make sure? Okay. Yeah. Cause gotcha. the, I live with that every day. So it has to be a part of my everyday life. Sure. So like even those candid shots that I've been doing, like that has to, it has to be in there somehow, but it can't be the, like the direct focus. Like there, there always has to be, it has to be something different. So that's why I don't know. I can't even tell you, but I like, I read an article about like how abstract photography can help you become a better photographer. Hmm. So I was like, okay, I, I can't tell you who wrote it and I can't tell you what magazine it was in. Sure. sure. Um, but, uh, so I was like, okay, well, then let's do some abstract stuff. You know, let's break away from the storytelling and let's just do some abstract stuff. So I, I broke into that and then I kind of went back into storytelling for a little bit and then kind of incorporated the two worlds into, you know, abstract and storytelling. So, you know, there's always, there's always something to do. <laughs> did you think that the abstract did make you a better photographer? It, Have you found that to be true? I think so. Um, I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because it seems to me based off the abstract stuff I've seen you do it, it. And I might be totally off on this, but it seems like the magic of it is in the editing, right? And in how you go about kind of developing it but but the actual taking of the pictures is kind of the easiest part of that is that fair or am i missing something um yeah it, i think i think you're right about that it, it would be in like the editing and showing on how they're processed because yeah the, you, you, the picture taking part of of those is like yeah that, that's super easy because i'm not really too much thinking about that particular image I'm thinking of how right. that image is going to be a part of a whole. Right. And uh, yeah, like the first series that I did, I had taken those photos back in 2003. Wow. You know, so that, yeah, I wasn't thinking about those images at all. I was just, yeah, I was on top of a Humvee just clicking my camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so when you, t yeah, oh, sorry. When, when, so when you say that now you, are better technically is it because of the abstract is it because that that's pushed you to learn kind of the back end 
of the photography a little bit better? A little bit. And yeah, I think that just comes with time too. It comes with experience. Mm, you know, sure. the more images you take, you're obviously going to get better. And, you know, focus is, you know, knowing what the camera and what the computer are going to do to the image, you know? So yeah, I think that it just comes with time. That's fair. There's no substitute for time. Yeah. You, need, you put your time in. Yeah, that's right. What's it, so because you've had, I mean, you call it, I mean, I guess we're jokingly calling it meandering, but I mean, it's an appropriate amount of diversity in your subject matter and what you've chosen to shoot. But it does make me wonder what's your, what's your favorite thing to shoot? What's your favorite environment? What's you, what gets you turned on? What makes you, you know, just start clicking away? What, what have you gotten the most delight out of when you've gone to a certain place to shoot? It's going to sound really kind of egotistical and, and everything, but, I enjoy shooting myself. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, I, That's rare. I, All right. I, I really enjoy like setting up a scene and figuring out how I'm going to position myself into that scene and trying to, you know, cause I'm not a professional actor or nothing, but like figuring out how I'm going to convey a certain emotion that I want to convey. Interesting. So like, Huh. To me, yeah, like I and really what it is too is I find myself um I'm really self-conscious about shooting other people. So I okay. I really am like like I don't like to go out in public and to take pictures of other people. I don't like to go over other people's houses and shoot a storyline with them. I'm really self-conscious about that. Because I don't, what, what? because I don't okay, think I'm, yeah. good, I, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. So I, I've always found my comfort zone in shooting myself and wow. and just opening up to the camera, just doing it myself. I've never, yeah, that, that that's where I like to be. I'm going off of memory here. I'm not looking at your Instagram right now, but so I'm just gonna go by memory, but. When I think of the pictures you've taken with yourself in them, am I wrong in remembering that it seems like a lot of them are taken in profile and not straight on? Yes. Or at least, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is that, I mean, how much of that is intended? And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to play amateur psychiatrist, uh, but I mean, talk a little bit about that, about how conscious a choice that is when taken in whole that, that, that you haven't done a lot of, it's a, it's um, a, it's a very, it's a, it's a very conscious choice. I'm not showing, um, of always having my back to the camera or always having my side to the camera and not being so much as, as like a traditional portrait. Um, that goes along the lines of me being self-conscious about who I am. Mm. So it's like, I don't want to show you too much of my face for it. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just me. It, it, it boils down to me being self-conscious about me. So yeah, I can't, I, I, I'm, I, I always have a rough time explaining what I'm doing. Well, and justifiably so. I mean, I, look, you're taking it. it. It's getting somebody, you know, I mean, asking anybody to break down what they're doing the way I'm trying to get you to do is it's a hard task for you to do. So um, 
and and I think it's insightful what you're saying anyway. It actually leads to more questions because I, I guess what I what's interesting to me is um, how much of you I see in pictures that don't have you in them. And again, I'm thinking they don't have anybody in them. And I'm thinking again of of some of the location shots that you've done. Again, I, I hope I'm using any of this terminology right. Yeah. I, I, hopefully, people listening know ballpark what I'm talking about. But um, when you look through through your work, um, there is a. Uh, it, it's funny because then you see you in the pictures, but you are in all of them. Like it is. It, it, it's it's funny. I'm thinking of I think one even that you had with your kids in that series, and you were lying down, and they were doing things but you were lying down and i and i kind of thought oh that's funny it's sort of there's that stillness and that um i don't know what the right word is for it but almost a not a solemnity but a a a stillness a quietness um a bit of a darkness but that's in all of your pictures um that that quality and so it's funny that you say that that's your favorite thing to shoot because it almost comes out in all of your pictures. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought that until you said it, but that I, I'm kind of reverse engineering that. And I, 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 I can see that that makes sense. Oh yeah. You're talking about the, the one where I'm on the couch and my kids got the dirty sock and they're right. Yeah. That that's yeah. Those, yeah. The quarantine pictures. Yeah. I think it's, I, I want to make sure I say this, um, and I'm not even sure there's a question in here, but I want to, I want to say it because for everybody listening, obviously we're talking about, um, you know, some heavy things, some lighter things, but, um, I think Nicholas, something that, that people listening may not fully appreciate is how much you've traveled internationally, how much your work has been shown internationally. And, um, I thought even just your, your Venice pictures, were interesting and I know those I don't know how professionally you were trying to take them oh, yeah. but <laughs> but there's there's a there's a real part of you that is I mean you do like let's call them more exotic locations um than than maybe uh you would otherwise think if you've just been listening to us and obviously we're talking about PTSD and suicide and that's heavy stuff and it's always going to affect the work you do um, in in interesting and creative ways, but that's not to say that these are all just pictures taken in a closet either. You actually are going to really interesting places and taking some of these pictures. Talk a little bit about that, about the international travel you've done, and and how much of that was intentional. Okay, um, you know that you're like, hey, I'm going there to take pictures, or how much of it was accidental. Now, yeah, these Venice pictures and these uh, pictures from Germany. Th- this was a uh a really great opportunity I had while I was in college to uh, do a study abroad trip mm. and actually go back to Germany. And I hadn't been there in years. Yeah. So, but these pictures, and it was a shame and I knew I shouldn't have listened to him, but my professor said, travel light, don't bring your camera, you know, because we're going to be moving around and you don't want to be carrying a big old camera with you. And I was just all like, well, that's a good point. So, but it was a photographer. Was everybody there a photographer? Um, or were you the only photographer? Th- it was th- it, actually, yeah, it was 
the majority of us, it was about 50-50. It was about 50% of us were, were photographers, and there were some painters and some illustrators and and every and so on. That, that seems counterintuitive. And but yeah, but see, yeah, because yeah. the the whole point of the trip was there's a an art festival in Germany called Documenta, and uh, we so we went to go see that. So the purpose of the trip wasn't really to go make art; it was to go see art. And okay, my purpose was to go eat some uh, donor kebabs and get plastered drunk. <laughs> So, because you had done four years in Germany, yeah. you knew exactly what you need to do in Germany. That's right. So, I knew I shouldn't have listened to him and and brought my camera, but I didn't bring my camera on that trip. So, all of those are just phone pictures that I took while I was just I was just stumbling around drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that they'll work if you ever do abstract stuff based off that. I guess. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was. I I hadn't been in Germany forever, and I I lived it up. <laughs> How long were you guys there for? Uh, we were there for. Uh, we spent a week in Germany and a week in Italy for the 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 trip. I mean, I'm I'm just uh, I'm trying to to imagine, but if I were you, I would have felt like weaponless if you're there without your camera. Like I'm sure you're run, you running into stuff constantly. Yeah. yeah. And those, the, the, the pictures that I, the, that I had posted, those are the only pictures I took. I wasn't, I, I, I was, I was pretty upset at myself that I didn't bring my camera. And I basically took those for reference shots for like, if I ever go back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I know, like I have to find this location because oh, I have God. an idea yeah. This is where I want to shoot again. <laughs> where would you love to shoot? If somebody comes to you and you had a big donor and they said, look, we want you, I want you to go start working on something right now. What would your answer be? Oh, a lot of my work has to do with my daily life. Sure. And maybe I'd renovate my bedroom. <laughs> really? I, it, it, a lot of yeah, because a lot of it has to do with you know my direct surroundings. So, I know that's so cheesy. It's not cheesy. No, it's it's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I think the cheesy thing would be to say, oh, there's this great Gothic temple and blah blah oh, blah. No, that's where, like you know, no, I mean th- that that makes perfect sense. And it, what would you do to your bedroom though? What changes would you make? See, the thing is, is I would. Ex- <laughs> If given a million dollars, I would just expand my whole whole reach. I would just I would just turn my whole house, my whole living area into one big photo studio with cinematic lighting and you know, huh. tripods everywhere and <laughs> what would that do for your for your for your art what would that do to actually pull the stuff out of your head would it sanitize a lot of it would it make it seem like i mean the pictures that you took you know you can tell it's your room it's your bed it's you know there's a lived in quality what would it do if though if if it's gussied up and and you have the right lighting in the in i mean it it, it would in, it, in the house what would it do it would definitely change it and i think it, it would probably change it for the worse 
Mm. You know, hence why I've never spent money on any kind of stuff like that, that I always just try to use natural lighting. And like, I have a couple yeah. of lights, but like, that's nothing compared to what anybody else uses. And yeah, I like, I, it's something that I've always dreamed of doing, but it's probably something that I'll never do because it would change the art. It would change the way that I do things. So money probably is best spent on the back end to help you with kind of the post shoot and how you develop things. Oh and yeah. The, other edits you do, exactly. right? That's really where you spend the money. Yeah. That's interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. What are you working on now? What's, what's bubbling up in your brain these days? Oh geez. A lot of, uh, well, I'm going, obviously I'm taking a couple, I'm taking a couple weeks off of doing more of the candid shots that I've been doing, but see a lot of people like I haven't told anybody, but these, these candid shots are a part of a bigger project. Um, last October had been officially 10 years since I've been deployed and it's been 10 years since I've been shot at and had to do any of that kind of, kind of stuff. So these are, these candid shots are me being a decade out of danger. Huh. So this is just life. This is just my life 10 years after the fact. So um, I'm going to continue to work on that series. I have a couple, I have about maybe five scenes drawn up. Um, not, I haven't shot them yet, but yeah, there's like five more to do with this series. And then I think I'm going to, I might mm-hmm. move on to something else or I might just continue this. I have nothing but time. So like, yeah. I don't, when it comes to creating stuff, I don't like to put a time limit on it. I don't, it's like, it'll get done when it gets done and I'll show it when I'm ready. <laughs> How freeing is that to be your own boss and to be, and, and to have that, that, I mean, really that's a, that's a rare thing in the arts even to not have to, um, you know, like we talked about before, you don't have to go take wedding photos or, or high school photos. You can really focus on exactly whatever it is you want to do. Um, how freeing is that? Do you feel, oh, do you, it, does it, is it pressure? Is it a delight? What do, you, what's, what do you wake up in the morning and feel? Do you feel that, that pressure to get stuff done or, or is it just there's always, enjoyment? Yeah, there's always pressure to get stuff done because I want to be productive. I don't want to just sit here and stare at an image for 30 hours and be like, okay, well it's, it's not good enough. Let's retake it. So there's always pressure to be productive and to constantly create, but yeah, it, to, to not be on anybody else's deadline is outstanding. I can't even, I don't know how I would operate if I had to do a deadline. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause just, just for example, there's a, there's a, a couple group shows here. I think there's one in, in Austin and there's one in California that my work would fit into, but I'm like, eh, I'm not ready to show this work in public yet. Yeah. So I'm skipping those. I'm skipping their deadlines to kind of just work on what I want to work on. That's great. That's great. That's awesome. That's a real place of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but there's there's a certain power I think that comes from that. That that makes sense to me. And it's just funny. It's actually um, 
<laughs> Don't take this the wrong way. It's a good diva artistic mindset. Because um, like, hey, uh, I know what it takes for me to operate at my highest level. Oh, yeah. And it, this is what I need. I am very yeah. I am very much my own diva. And you need to be. And Yeah, because there's yeah. Th- 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 there's opportunities all the time where I'm just carrying my camera and people are like, oh, you're going to take a picture of that? I'm like, no. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That's freaking awesome. No, you're good. What uh, – Let's give people some some uh, information as to where they can find you. And it, do you have shows coming up right now? I do, Is there any place you're showing in the near future? I do not. I like I said, I'm just concentrating on my social media game, getting trying to be in, yeah. trying to get Instagram famous. And, well, let's uh, steer people there to start with, and then obviously we'll we'll link to it and everything in the show notes for people. But tell people where they can find you and your website, Instagram, all that stuff. Well, every, uh, my. My Instagram is uh, Nicholas Lucanbo Photography, and my website is Nicholas Lucanbo Photography. That, yeah, everything is super easy to find. <laughs> Pretty much, if you just put your name in Google, you're going to find <laughs> yeah. everything that people need to find about you. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, dude, Nicholas, this has almost been two hours. Oh wow, this has been great, man. This has been really, really good. I I really appreciate it, and um, especially because this was our uh, second bite at the apple. Um, so I appreciate you coming back oh, yeah. for more. Um, you know, listen, I'm not a visual artist by any stretch of the imagination. And, um, so this is completely out of my wheelhouse. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was, it was really interesting to hear. And the, especially the, the cross pollination, the ways that what you're saying relates to all other artistic mediums. And then of course the particulars oh, in yeah. the area of photography. This is just great, brother. Well, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity, really. You know, like Listen, I, I was I was completely like you have no idea on how nervous I was when you sent that text. <laughs> hey, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> then I listened to the podcast and I'm like, I am not that articulate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what am I gonna uh, talk about. <laughs> Clearly, you haven't heard enough of my podcast where I can be exquisitely inarticulate. But listen, no, I mean, and and as I told you when you when you told me that, I was like, dude, you're going to be just fine. And and more than that, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of this, man. There was so much. There's so much interesting stuff there. And I'm also, I, I should say, I really enjoy it because I see your work every day, and I really enjoy that. And I can't wait to see what other stuff you're coming out with. And I, I hope everybody listening goes and checks it out. It's really worth looking at. Um, if you support veteran artists, cool, awesome, that's great. But um, Nicholas is doing stuff that I think is just interesting, regardless of his veteran status. We're not doing charity work um, by saying this. And uh, I, I hope you guys go out and check his stuff out. Um, and if they want to purchase stuff, Nicholas, can they? Can they buy stuff through Instagram or on your website? On my website, I had uh, yes, there you can order prints on my website. Very cool. Um, but you better like if you're going to order prints, you better hurry because I am taking a lot of that stuff down and discontinuing a lot of prints. Really? Well, yeah. Because why is that? Well, some things just get old, and okay, you, you know, like I want to make room for newer work, and so gotcha. Is it how's that work? Is it inventory basically? So you have to once you sell them out it's like okay hey i'd have to order more and create more yeah to keep them in stock okay um yeah and, and a lot of and yeah a lot like a lot of times it's just like okay well i i i have a good idea what sells and what doesn't sell so mm. 
you know, sometimes I'll be like, okay, well, I'm only going to do 10 prints of these, 100 prints of these, and so many. I never do more than 100. Um, but yeah. What sells well? That, Just out of curiosity. The abstract stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Sure. Well, I, I could absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah. N- n- not a lot of people are wanting to hang me on their wall. <laughs> and I, how's that make you feel? How do you feel about that? I, I, well, no, that's completely understandable. I don't, I don't even, I don't have any pictures of me on my wall, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, uh, more of the abstract stuff sells, sells real well. And a lot of people like that. So Dude, that's, that's awesome. That's more of the stuff. Go check his stuff out. Everybody. Um, Nicholas, this was awesome, brother. Thank you so much. Let's for talk down me. the road. Oh yeah. Most definitely. All right, man. That was the Savage Wonder of Nicholas Lukenbell. You've been listening to Savage Wonder, the podcast for warriors and artists, and a production of the Veterans Repertory Theater. The opinions expressed do not represent anything or anyone other than the person that said them. So check out what's going on with us over at vetrep.org. If you like the written word, if you love reading fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, subscribe to the Savage Wonder Literary Blog at savagewonder.substack.com. Dot com. Again, that's savagewonder.substack.com, or you could find it at vetrep.org backslash now playing, all one word, now playing. And you should go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Again, you can find us at savagewonder.podbean.com or at vetrep.org backslash now playing, or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can just go ahead and subscribe there. If you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, it'd be great if you left us a five-star review. Uh, the review itself can be whatever you want. Constructive criticism, any kind of feedback, we're open to all of it. But if you could attach it to a five stars on that review, that would be deeply appreciated. We welcome any other feedback. And feel free to give us a follow at on Instagram at Veterans Repertory Theater. Again, that's Veterans Repertory Theater. Um, and again, I, I have to say this every week. I know we made a tactical mistake. Nobody knows how to spell repertory. So I'll spell it here. It's veterans, R-E-P-E-R-T-O-R-Y, and then theater in the American spelling, E-R, not R-E. So veterans repertory theater on Instagram. Or you can also, or not just or, and you can follow us on Twitter at vetreptheater. Say we only did rep. We didn't do repertory. That was smart of us. Uh, So you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and obviously communicate with us there. Any feedback, we're always interested in hearing what you guys think uh, about our guests, our shows, our content, all the rest of it. If you want to submit your work to the Veterans Repertory Theater or to our literary blog at Savage Wonder, please go to vetrep.org backslash submissions. Again, that's vetrep.org backslash submissions. As always, thanks to our producer, Mike Neal. I'm Christopher Paul Meyer on behalf of the Veterans Repertory Theater. See you next time when we'll dive further into the savage wonder of it all.